0: If you are listening to this via podcast, not visually, we're going to pass some waterfalls, some river sounds, some waves and things like that. So be kind to our audio technicians and, and show
1: producers here.
2: We're breaking down RevOps with some of the biggest names in SaaS. Every week, Patrick Campbell and Michael Klett unravel the mysteries of RevOps. I
1: spend all my time thinking about revenue operations.
2: While also enjoying some of the best and freshest hops around. Cheers to RevOps. It's been like- In today's episode, we discuss how to build a RevOps function with Jason Reichel, the founder of GoNimbly. This is RevOps and Hops.
0: All right, welcome to RevOps and Hops. I'm Patrick Campbell here with Michael Klett and Jason Reichel from RevOps. Tell us a little bit about the business.
1: Um, I'm the CEO of GoNimbly. We're a revenue operations consultancy that works just with SaaS companies.
0: We're going to be drinking some beer. We're going to be learning a little bit about actually brewing with hops. So we're going to Just talk about how to months. build
2: a RevOps business or how to build a RevOps function. First, let's talk about how to build a beer. Um, do you drink beer? Do I drink? I drink
1: beer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have no idea why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, I drink beer. Okay. Good. Let's
2: learn. So ingredient number one is malt, malted barley. Okay. Basically. And if you want to take a, a sniff, a, a feel, you can touch it. You can actually even eat it. It's edible. You can pop it's one. edible. In it. It's, it's like- hard. Yeah, so be careful when you bite down. It's going to make me drunk? Um, it's not the best thing in the world. No, right? I like it. But what does it smell I, like? I could just hit that uh, all day. <laughs> it smells like malted barley, like barley, like yeah. cereal. I don't like, have a sense of smell. Like yeah. We I, talked
0: about no, this. No, 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 no. That's
2: weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's super right.
0: weird. Do people just eat this? Like, like just not sleeps. usually. Not usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
2: so it's basically, it's just barley, right? Okay. Uh, and what they've done is they allow it to start to germinate. Okay. Right, And then they stop the germination by heating it up. So you take the malted barley, you crush it up. Uh, and then you basically soak it in water. You make a tea. Make a tea with okay. it, right? Right. Wurt, right? Wurt. Okay. Wurt. Yeah.
0: Wurt. Wort. Right. Wort. Okay. Wort. Yeah. Wort. W-o-r-t. Right. W-o-r-t. Wort's it all
2: about is what well, I said. Wort's it all about. So Wurt. you take your wort, okay, right, and that's going to concentrate, and get out some of the impurities, concentrate the flavors, okay. Uh, and while it's boiling, you add your hops.
1: I've smelled this. Before, smelled before, this? in the streets yeah. of San Francisco. Okay. I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you it's you like, like fermenting that? constantly. Like, <laughs> like, it's not oh, either. can you smell that one though? I can't smell anything. What happens if you did smell it and then your smell came back? And suddenly, shit. no, no. Then Nothing. you would have to. Nothing.
0: What, kind, what does it change if you add it early versus late? Or? The
2: earlier you add it, the more bitter. What oh. happens if you forget to add it? Um, You would have a very sweet beer with is no that balance. Is like, Yeah, is that what yeah, kombucha? Uh, <laughs> no hops? A little, little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little yeah. different. That's cool, um, though. So, yeah, the, the hops are there mainly to offset the sweetness. Okay. Um, but also a little bit as a preservative. Well, that's, that's cool. cool. I'll look uh, it up. Uh,
1: you're a hops master.
2: Yeah, I' not a master. Brew master. No, a little master. bit. So one more ingredient before you actually have beer, because at this point you still just have wort. Okay. It's yeast. So yeast are microorganisms. Okay. Right? And their job or what they do, what they like to do is eat, eat sugar. Yeah. And give off alcohol. What do we got? In front of you is Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Uh, we kicked off the series with this Yeah, beer. we had this. It's a very classic beer, and I picked it because you get a lot of the hops. You get a lot of the malt. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You're going to get some of the sweetness. Uh, it's yeah. very
0: well-balanced beer. Cheers. 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 Rev and Hops.
1: Rev hops and Hops. This is the first time I've ever had beer. It's an acquired taste, I would say. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. So you make beer. What's your favorite kind of beer to make? Uh, probably IPAs. IPAs.
2: But you know more about RevOps than I do.
0: I feel like you're a RevOps purist.
1: Revenue operations, like the definition that we use and that we use with our customers is that it's a unification of your operations teams. And so what that typically means is unifying all of them into their own single role, right? And having them focus on delivering a customer experience and eliminating the gaps systematically through got process it. and tools. And it's really an up-leveling of operation from support class to revenue class got it. within an internal organization. And it leads to so much growth within your customer base because they're actually solving problems holistically yeah. that you would never be able to solve at, You know, the email marketer level or, this, sure. the, or the sales rep level. Um, and it's all focused on delivering a personalized experience to the customer. So I don't know if you got the origin story of this, but there's this guy named Phil Eisner. Edsner, who worked for Goodyear Tires in the 80s. And his job was to drive around and figure out where all the Goodyear Tires, like why they weren't working. So at the time, Goodyear Hmm. Tires was a huge ass company and none of them worked as a company. They were all their own independent things because they had to like regionalize to a degree. And he found that they all worked very, very differently and they were very against becoming one organization. Yeah. And so he was driving through Illinois, he saw a silo of probably hops, let's just say that for the sake of the story. Yeah. And, uh, or barley or something. It's probably corn. corn. It's it was corn, yeah, but yeah. let's just... And he coined the term silo syndrome. Okay. And from the 80s until he passed away two years ago, he tried to break down silo syndrome, which is uh, essentially this idea that as your organization grows in skills, you become specialized. Got it. You basically um, work against each other um, in an organization. Working in technology, you, know, you start to see that more and more of... What we call, you know, the customer experience is being put onto the revenue team, not the traditional IT team yeah. who used to support those things. And those businesses, like that, fundamentally changes the power structure within an organization. Legacy operations is great, so most people don't know, but if you have a legacy operations model, they'll drive about ten percent revenue impact to you. So, you know, if you're a ten million dollar company, they'll drive ten percent revenue. Um, but in revenue operations, it's about thirty six percent. Got it. And so the the gain of that is massive to an organization. Yeah.
0: Like is it just efficiency gains and we're pulling all these disparate siloed organizations together is it now that they're more proactive like uh-huh. where's that 36% like Yeah
1: so revenue operations is actually made up of three distinct parts one is the new org structure which is taking all these operation folks and moving them into their own org yep essentially so the second part of revenue operations is creating like a generalist who can respond to the business demand that's happening within your revenue team Yeah so that really requires a different look at who you hire, how you hire, how you train. That's a very specific part of RevOps. And the third part is using some kind of analytics, which is measuring a pipeline with volume, value, velocity, and conversion. Yeah. And looking at that and finding where you are weak as a business against other businesses. Got and it. prioritizing the operational projects, not what, what people say you need to do, which is how traditionally operations works, is some sales VP says, this sucks, like, let's fix it.
0: Like of those three things, mm-hmm. so we have the right types of people, right type of roles, all centralized. Generalists, uh, yeah, centralized, and then the framework, basically, of yep. like essentially looking. Yeah, RevOps is a methodology more yeah. than anything.
1: So you can be in a traditional operations role and apply this mindset and yeah. start to think differently and you'll get past that 10% mark totally. right yeah, what's yeah. the
0: order of operations to yep I get this I want to make sure I centralize this Yeah. like what's step one step two step three sure
1: so uh, I'm writing a book right now called Transform which is about how to build these organizations sure um, with with my co-founder uh, Jit Nguartua and one of the things that that we talk about is the very real need to dis- uh, the, like, have a business broken down into two two different parts. Sure. So traditionally if you're a SaaS company you have your product teams, you have all of you know all of your developers and you have your business operations people. And, sure. and they're usually driven by growth or margin, depending on where you are in your journey as a SaaS company. Yeah, That team, that's their North Star metric, is growth or margin or something like that. So as a CTO, a product, as a product company, you are often probably in that realm. Yeah. Then you have your revenue team, which is made up of your frontline actors, the people who touch the customers, and the revenue operators. Got it. And those people, their North Star is impacting revenue. Sure. right? And those two wheels are completely independent of one another. The CEO sits in the middle and tries to manage both of those things. Yeah. What we find often is that business operations people try to do revenue operations or revenue operations people try to do business operations. Sure. And they're different North Stars. And so that doesn't really work. So I really believe in creating holistic circles of, you know, what we what i call frontline actors so your product your engineer people your business office people uh, your sales people your marketing your customer success people and your revenue operators yeah. and having those be complete business units or cells within your business essentially yeah. and then having a ceo sit in the middle of them and control it and then on one side maybe you have a cro and the other side you have a coo and that's kind of how i think companies will be built i don't really think that we need more c titles than that sure um and that's So is it, is it sort essentially it like a product
0: manager of that part of revenue.
1: Yeah, so you know, go nimbly. What we do is we augment that most organizations don't have these people, right? Sure. They don't have these holistic uh, generalists, so we'll go into a company like Twilio and we'll augment the the staff and the skill sets they don't have, which we can talk about the skills of a sure. revenue operations teams in a second. But they don't treat operations as a product. Sure. And so one of our fundamental things, when I was in product because I was a VP of product, was. Wow, I have to do all these product maps and like I have to do like uh, roadmaps and I have to do like why this. I have to listen to my end users, but I also have to listen to the marketplace. There's really four primary skills of revenue operations, right? Sure. And th- and this is true if you ha- if you have revenue operations or not. So the first thing that GoNimbly does is we usually go in and we do an analysis of their operations team and we do a skill gap analysis and say, hey, you guys hired and maximized for strategy, but you're missing tools. You're missing enablement and you're missing insights. And so that's why when we do this three VC method, we can see that you have gaps in these areas because you're just not utilizing all the strengths of an operations Mm -hmm. team. And that is usually because the way that organizations hire is via reactive pain. Right. So we need to do this really big project. We have a lot of projects like this that we could do. Let's hire this person and bring them on. And then suddenly that team is kind of stuck with a specialist and they're always prioritizing work based on what they can do. Um, and that's, that's totally normal. That's like just, that's what happens. And because one thing that I always say about, you know, the whole method, when I talk about, you know, roadmap is yes, we're trying to do projects and work streams that have revenue impact. The revenue operators should not care how easy it is to be a sales rep in an organization. They should care about the gaps in the customer. Cause what we found through our research is customers now, now in today's society want to buy your product. They come to your site to buy your product. And what they're doing is every single interaction they have with any of your go-to-market functions is a ding in what they're going to give you, either contract value or or a duration of signing or whatever it is. They they start to erode a little bit of trust in how much political capital they're going to give you as an organization, right? But there's a very real part of it that's just like, shit, there's stuff we have to do every single day. That's part of the grind of operating a business. And so operators really need a framework in order to rely upon that to go, we are below industry standards here, mm. and the things that I'm being asked to do, we are actually fine on. Yeah. So instead of doing that stuff, let's prioritize this stuff.
0: What are some of the industry standard like benchmarks? Like what what are those numbers? The yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, at GoNimbly, we collect all of our customers' data. So we've been able we work mo- primarily with Series C to IPO mm. SaaS companies, um, and so it's about inflection points. So those numbers change based on your inflection point, sure. based where your software is. Um, luckily, in the SaaS industry, VCs release a lot of numbers, so it's easy to pile that into a, a database that yeah. we can use. But ultimately, uh, it, is, it is more of like taking a group of you know, like, like SaaS companies and comparing them to one another. Yeah. It, like at this point in revenue operations, I like to say it's, you know, it's correlation, it's not causation. Yeah. But just having that mindset of operations is an art. Yeah. Let's marry a little math and science to it. Yeah.
0: Like the ultimate metric is revenue, but like what's, what's the revenue one step down for like a rev ops function? It's Easy. just, make,
1: it's just making those three VC as healthy as possible. Right. Okay. Right. So, uh, it's momentum based cause you're operating a business. It's never done. We don't, at GoNimbly, we don't use words like projects. We don't. Yeah. None of our operators use words. They use work streams because sales territory solution today is not sales ter- territory solution in 2020. Unlike traditional consultant services, we are embedded as operators with our customers yeah. for the future. Uh, So we're a subscription-based company, like a SaaS company. Uh, They pay every single month for access to our revenue operations team. Our revenue operations team guides them. We help train their existing operations team, and we also do some of the executional work for them. That's cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, is RevOps
1: something that's actually new, or is it just a name we've given to existing best practices? I always uh, sit down with CEOs, and they're like, hey, when I first started this company, when we were like 50 people, there was Tom, and Tom, and Sarah, they could do anything that the company needed, and it was great. And we had this huge growth. And like, it's because generalists get more stuff done than mm-hmm. specialists do. Yeah. Nothing irritates me more than when I go into a company who's missing their quarterly goal, and I talk to the marketing team. The marketing goes, "Well, we're handing off at our, we're hitting our MQL target." Yeah.
0: It's but so your
1: business is not where it should be. So they should be like, "We're hitting our MQL target," but it doesn't matter. Right? It doesn't matter. Right? Doesn't like matter, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let let's let's take a different approach. No one like. Yes, people work hard, and people deserve uh, momentum. Like, okay, great. You know, there's sure. certain. I always like to make this analogy. There's certain KPIs that are vanity KPIs, which which is how your boss justifies getting the headcount for you. And then there are certain there's certain KPIs that you can use that are momentum based KPIs. Yeah, yeah So yeah. maybe for your organization, it is number of demos done right yeah. um, is a real momentum based KPI. But if that doesn't convert to revenue, it doesn't matter. So don't make the correlation between demos and revenue just say, hey, the more, the more demos we do has some kind of impact yeah. on revenue. We know that, so we're gonna use that as a momentum-based KPI, yeah. because it takes longer for these 3VC things to emerge. Totally. right?
0: What we've done is basically we have, I, I kind of alluded to this before, we have like more growth managers for different areas of the business. So there's like a growth manager for lead to demo, and everything's very structured outcome-based. So I think we, we're, we're basically doing a lot of this, but we need to, like, formalize it, if that makes sense. And so we have, like, a, a sales ops person who kind of does other marketing ops and things like that. And so she's probably going to end up being, like, we're going to change her title to RevOps Manager. And then there's some other folks who kind of are flowing into that. Yep. Um, and then I think we're thinking of, like, a CRO as well, which is, like, one of those things that... Um, will help kind of centralize things so it's not all it, disparate. It, it can
1: help or it can destroy. It just depends yeah. on how much you... Well, it depends on the type of CRO. Yeah, there, there yeah. is no... That's the weirdest thing. is like CRO has grown by like 3,000%. Yeah. You, you see this in like LinkedIn posts, right? Sure, um, sure, sure. But yeah. it's the most critical non-tapped revenue source sure. in an organization that, that you just let go to waste. Yeah. You know, when I meet with CEOs and I go, well, how are you measuring your operations team? And they go, ah, I don't know. Yeah. Right? It's like well, how many BDRs are you going to do? And they're like, here's the plan for BDRs. I'm going to hire 10 people and I'm going to do blah, 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 blah. And it's like, they have a plan for that, but that's almost like a limited, it's yeah, a carry yeah, capacity yeah, yeah, yeah. issue, totally. right? It, it cannot grow. You wouldn't do that with your engineers, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a very weird priority.
0: Yeah. Well, I find like CROs, there's, if a CRO, in my opinion, if a CRO doesn't have, like customer success and sales reporting into them it's not a real cro yeah because i think what happens is a cro is kind of like well we don't want a chief sales officer, so let's just call it a cro yeah and really it's
1: just a chief sales officer yes so
0: i think that's the biggest mistake a lot of people make it's like
1: seven out of ten right now to be honest it's pretty bad um that's what we find at least yeah. yeah i find that you know most people don't talk about this and it's just the way it is right now i i find that Hiring someone with a marketing background yeah. is for a CRO role is usually a, a stronger play in an organization because marketing has become operationalized in a way yeah. that they understand. The problem with a lot of marketing led CROs is can they create the urgency and can they and, and can they can they the, can they push the, the you know that middle part of your bow tie, the acquiring of the customer yeah. thing, with enough urgency.
0: You know, it's basically the extreme. The really really good ones I think are the better CROs because of exactly what you yeah. said. But I think so many of them are just focused on like MQLs and like pipeline, which is good, but then they like kind of rationalize like pipeline in the wrong way. Sometimes.
1: Yeah. For us, you know, the best CRO is going to be someone that comes up through for us that comes up through operations and then maybe moves into a frontline role like a you know VP of sales or or something like like that. Like a marketing ops person. Yeah, marketing ops person or a sales ops person that moves up to it. So we create these things called revenue teams. Sure. uh, revenue operations team, impact teams is what we call them. And the team is always made up of four people to start with and we add other people to that team. Sure. But it's always someone with a sales ops background. It's always someone with a marketing ops background. It's always someone that's in the BI tools, a developer, technical someone and then it's like a strategist or an analytics person. And they all join our company and join that mission statement because they've been that specific role at a company. Sure. And they have failed to get the work done. Got it. Because if you're sales ops, you do all this work, and then suddenly marketing is not aligned to it or customer success is not aligned to it. And so they've come to us because they've been frustrated by their craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they want another solution, yeah. right? And so what we do then is we bring them in as those experts, and then we diversify their skill set, and we, we begin to train them as generalists. And we are just now starting to take people right out of college and like teach them how to be revenue operations Got people. It. You kind of need that confidence that like, no, what we do is a craft, what we do is something, you know, it's 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 you know, it's a, a brewmaster, right? It's like something that can stand up on its own and something that should be respected. You be the strategist, you do the architecture, you have someone who's your marketing office person who knows Marketo really well, they're gonna do the work inside of Salesforce. You guys are gonna shadow together the same way that you would do yeah. peer development or pair development, right? Um, and we're gonna push you that way. So that's one way that you can do it so every is the, day. Is the basic
0: concept that everyone should be adminable. Well, the, I think I think that's the right word. Yeah,
1: yeah. At a company size of where we are at, yeah, it's probably a few people who have yeah. as much. So in each of those skill areas, you want twenty five percent, right? Sure, sure, sure. Sure. Um, at a large company like Twilio, you can have a analytics specialist. Got it. But your operations team still needs to be, to be very diverse, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, that makes sense. No, I I uh, started my career in technology. Um, <laughs> And I very early ran into Salesforce. Uh, I worked uh, here in As San... As one does. I joined a Salesforce SI, um, one of the very first ones. Mm. And, and that w- grew that. So we grew that from around you know 20 people to 1,000 people or so. Wow. And I was like, I think I'm going to go into product because that's where my interest lies. And so I did a few years in product. And I loved it. Product, like building products is amazing. In San Francisco, there is no shortage of smart people who can build product, who are great product managers. But I worked at two really good product companies who had no idea how to maximize the value of their customer. At the time, revenue operations wasn't a term, so we came out as a unified business stack consultancy or some shit like that. It was really dumb. You know, I use my product background to create, you know, like the operational roadmaps yeah, yeah, and things yeah. like that. But then we also use technology, like you know, we have this analytics tool that we use to like that, and we we have used other analytics tools that are in the marketplace to try to do that too. But we are we are building ourselves into, you know, Go Nimbly, the, a revenue operations company, yeah. which means we will have software for revenue operations companies. We will have trainings for companies who want to do it themselves, and we will have this sort of strategic service. Yeah, yeah. service um, for organizations that need hands-on help, yeah. um, and the only thing that maximizes LTV is operations. Yeah, revenue operations is the only thing. So your marketer's not thinking about that, your sales rep isn't thinking about that, your customer success rep isn't thinking about that. The people who are interacting with the customer need to be present. Got it. But you need you yeah. you you need this background force that's like we talked about this kind of cutting off the highs, yeah. right? They're not freaking out about the big deal that just closed because yeah. they know that's an abnormality. And they're not freaking out that, that, that we're missing you know, part of our yeah. quarterly objective. They're looking right at the middle and going, how do we keep this yeah. and expand that this way? And then the second thing that I think is really happening is found, the age of founders in Silicon Valley are moving from 25. Now the average age of a founder is 31. Yeah. And I think that when you, when you age, you start to go, ah, like we probably just don't need to bang our head against this yeah. wall over and over and over again. There's probably a smarter way to, yeah. to, 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 to go because it doesn't feel good to keep showing up and going. Yeah. Our growth numbers are insane, yeah. but our, our, you know, our annual contract value is $5,000.
0: What's your go to market like? Cause you're selling a Series seed IPO.
1: Yep. We, there's about 811 organizations that could use go nimbly. Our average, uh, monthly contract value is about $25,000. Yeah. um, and so there are not that many organizations in SaaS that can really sh- that can really do that. Now we're always looking about what's like what's
0: the cutoff for the eight hundred and eleven?
1: What's the cutoff? Like
0: is it companies over X? Series like, C probably that, C- C-
1: that that your know. value is around sixty million to, to above sixty million. But that number is growing every day. Sure. So sure, sure. so and so we think that number is gonna increase for us, so sure. our TAM increases. And what people don't understand is like I believe every single business and serious decisions backs this up, like Dell Computers, Coca-Cola. And for them, it's to eke out one more point. But the reason that we've chosen this TAM to go after first yeah. is because, you know, when we work with Zendesk, they've been six companies since we've worked with them. They're yeah. they're, they're entirely different Flat go-to-market strategies. Yeah. And, and so we've learned a lot through that process. So you can have... 30 customers. But if you really look at the businesses, that 30 customers are like 150 different iterations of those companies. Right. And that really gives us a a really unfair advantage that other people don't have. So most of the time in in our organizations, people hire someone and they go, well, he did this for LinkedIn. You go, well, are you LinkedIn? And they go, oh, no, we're not LinkedIn. Like, okay, so what? So are the solutions going to work for you? And they're like, no. Yeah. And so it's very clear for them when we come in that like we're matching them against inflection point businesses and yeah. we have enough data to go this worked for this company this didn't yeah so why do you think this, this is, is going to work, work for you
0: but is the is your actual sales motion is it just like a lot of inbound like cuz revops is becoming a little bit of a thing is it a lot of mm-hmm. that is it
1: it's a 100% referral right now we okay. we just hired marketing now yeah. we're getting inbound for stuff like this um most of the inbound and most of the panels I'm doing is like you know saas companies that are have like under $10 million. Most SaaS yeah. companies are like, I think 70% not of SaaS companies are yeah. making less than $10 million, right? So, you know, I'm trying to figure out how we can help them. Yeah. Um, and it's like putting thought leadership out there. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, writing a book and saying, sure. follow this blueprint. It's um, saying, okay, we're gonna have a program where you spend like 1000 dollars a month and you get a coach, or you sure. know, it's it's all these other kind of ways of addressing that marketplace. There's not a person in our go-to-market function who talks to us where I go, hey. How often do you talk about alignment between your teams? And they go, well, yeah, all the time. That's like a big deal. Yeah. And, and I go, here's this new model. Does that make sense? There's not been one person in any deal cycle that says, oh, that doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, there are some who goes, oh, that's like our sales operator. But like, you're just calling it some diff- something different. Yeah. And I'm like, if that's what you think right now, that's okay. Sure. Um. 'Cause maybe you have a great sales operator who has a different mindset. Yeah, who's not just so cyber. Right. Um yeah. but that's still one person. Yeah. That's still one failure point for your organization. For a
0: company with X product. Right.
1: I mean the general thing is if you, you should take about four percent of your revenue and and dedicate it to operational sure. success. So, you know, most organizations are spending something somewhere like one to one point five percent of their yeah. revenue. And when you can say like why are you doing that? Because if you just spent more, you would get so much more out of it than hiring all these sure. reps or marketing people. And once you can kind of show that to them, yeah. it becomes like kind of obvious. Our price point becomes like not Nothing. something that everyone talks yeah. about, right? It, um and so that's been really interesting, which is to show people that value is what's important. Sure, right? Sure, sure, and, sure. and 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 like maybe it's expensive. Um It's the goal is not to be expensive, the goal, but, but building these people and building this structure is expensive. Totally. The amount of research and development we're doing and the amount of like trying different things is immense. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, they're all, everyone is right right now. Yeah. Everyone is Um, right. so, uh, I just say like, we'll just see how it shakes out. Yeah. And I think the companies that really latch onto it, like the companies like, that move from waterfall to agile, they, they dominated the marketplace. And I think that companies that move from legacy operations to revenue operations are going to dominate the marketplace. It's sure. just, it's hands down it's a, a dominate, yeah. a domination effect. So I would just say, don't let your competitors start to build a revenue operations team because they will outshine you in personalization to your, their customer. They will outshine you in filling in those gaps. They will become companies that come out of nowhere, like Drift. Yeah. Um, or you know, um, just these or or, or lattice, right? Yeah. These, these organizations that just put so much focus on operating their machine properly. Sure. That now it seems like where, like, how did these guys grow so fast? Where they so come fast? from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. My mission is to give them the language, so, yeah, that, yeah, so yeah. that what what they were doing is re- recognized. Yeah. Um, you know, building a great product is a must. You ha- you must sure. build a great product, but nothing else is a must, right? And so. Those are where you can actually add the value differentiators Total. to your business. Cool man. Yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers. Yeah. This is great. It was great.
0: Yeah, so Jason, that was Knowledge bombs. Yes. Left, right, center, Lots everywhere. Of knowledge. We could have just talked for hours, I feel. I'm yeah, for kidding. sure. What'd you learn? what do you think?
2: Uh, the biggest thing that stuck out to me, I think, is the idea of generals versus specialists. Sure. And the importance of having generalists around. And if you have people who have started yeah. to specialize to train them up in, in, in what they don't know.
0: And it's a little, um, that's a little oxymoronic, I think. Like, you don't, or at least you don't really hear that. You hear the opposite more. Yeah, but it, I, no?
2: I actually have seen that effect. Like, once you mentioned it, I realized the people in our business who sometimes are the most effective are the ones who can... Um, who can do almost anything, yeah. right? They they don't have specialization in one little thing. Sure. No, I can only do this. Like, they just get stuff done. I feel like because, it's
0: really hard to find amazing generalists, though. Yeah. Because, like, when you're, when they're young, quote-unquote, like, when they're just starting off, like, everyone's kind of a generalist, well, yeah. right? Yeah. But, yeah. like, finding generalists at a high level, like, it, it's got to be yeah. tough. Like, yeah. just school,
2: school teaches you to specialize. Yeah, right? yeah absolutely. And so being able to uh learn know what you don't know yeah probably that's and probably not that become general
0: yeah you know. and be good at like frameworks and things like that i think my thing was for, from jason was really about centralization okay i think that like i know we've talked about it in a couple of different episodes but i don't think it can be emphasized enough because just the concept of when you bring everything together you lose that silo syndrome mm. or at least you minimize it or mitigate it a bit and what that allows you to do is go okay there's someone actually looking at if we do this thing for this particular silo it's going to affect this silo. Maybe we shouldn't do that thing rather than let's just keep going forward over and over again. Yeah. Which is cool. It's a great episode. I really enjoyed yeah. this. So, um, Well that's all for this week for RevOps and Hops. I'm Patrick Campbell from ProfileWell.
2: Michael Clapp from Chargeify. And
0: if you found value in this you found it super super useful make sure to share it with a colleague or a friend and make sure you're subscribed either via email or through your podcasting app of choice and we will see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.